Howdy, family. Today's episode is sponsored by Ready, Set, Execute, the six-step goal-setting course that's set on you taking action and executing. Visit ReadySetExecute.com and enjoy today's episode. All right, family. Welcome to another episode of Next Gen Fridays. And I'm here, Chris Latham, your host with the most, often imitated but never duplicated, the one and only, can never be tested, always in a positive mood and feed me mr aka feed me burgers yeah i gotta work on that a whole lot more <laughs> right now i got a special guest with me max sure max i'll let you introduce yourself to the family hey guys thanks for having me chris um i'm uh, super excited to be here i'm uh primarily my main thing is i have an agency uh, it's a web design company we make marketing sites for all kinds of different companies but primarily like software businesses uh, any kind of tech startup medical companies um, you know, anything that, you know, generates leads or revenue online, we help them do that. Um, and uh, I've been doing that for about six years now. I've got my own podcast, just like uh, imitating Chris over here. And uh, we, we also, I talk to people who, you know, have interesting ways of, of making money. And I just try to learn everything I can from them, either from a business or lifestyle perspective. Uh, and those are, those are my projects that, I, that I take 95% of my time. Wonderful, wonderful. And one question I often forget to ask at the beginning, which I finally remembered, is just for the listeners, how old are you, Max? Oh, I'm 24. 24 years old, baby. Here to hear first. Two, four. And that's why he's part of Next Gen Fridays. So we're going to start things <laughs> just off. Just made the cutoff. <laughs> just made the cutoff. A year and a half more. And like, I'm sorry, dude, you got to be putting that millennial special. Coming soon, by the way, a millennials edition. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to start things off, you got your agency. So what I want to know is what How'd your agency start? Like what made you want to decide to you know I'm going down this route to be to make a web design agency? <laughs> so I was I was about to go to college. I was 18 years old. And uh, you know, when you're 18 years old, the most uh, outlandish thing you can legally do is go hang out at a hookah lounge here in the States. Or you used to be able to. I don't think you can anymore. Um, so I was hanging out at a hookah lounge like you do with my friends. And uh, we thought we were all cool. And we'd been going there for a while. We were regulars and the owners knew us and they would come up to us and chat with us sometimes. And like, hey, you guys are, you know, smart kids. Can, can you guys make uh, a website for us? And like, sure, why not? You know, <laughs> knowing we had no idea how to do it. Uh, we were graphic designers at the time, but we uh, were not web designers. And, you know, I kind of took the, took the lead there and I was like, yeah, I'd love to make it for you. I got this. Um, and, you know, it turned into like this whole thing. They wanted me to build like a Walmart level grocery store website for them. That would, it was just way outside of my capabilities. Anything was outside of my capabilities, but like, even today I would look at that project and go like, are you guys sure that's what you want me to make? But I was just like, sure. Why not? I didn't, I didn't know anything. So I accepted the project knowing I would just be able to like knowing right in quotes that I would just be able to like find someone to do it for me, or I would be able to get a template or something. I figured there must be a solution. And, uh, I accepted the project, started working on it, tried to hire someone. I made them pay a security deposit up front because I figured like that's how you, you know, <laughs> that's how you take initiative on these things, um, which is still a good practice, right? But I just thought it was funny that I had no experience at all. And that was what I thought I needed to do. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I totally botched the project, obviously, because it was way out of my depth. Uh, so I ended up having to give these guys their money back and, and they were unhappy with me. But, uh, there was a night on that on that project, right, where I was drinking a ton of Red Bull and I just learning how to build websites. And I wasn't able to learn how to build that level of a website, but 
you know, I kind of got my foot in the door and I was like, wow, I could, this is a skill set I could actually acquire. I could do this. Um, and, uh, that kind of opened me up to, you know, I think I could run this kind of a business. So, you know, the next month I was actually on my way to university. So I, uh, drove down to Tucson, Arizona, where I went to school. And from my dorm, I started making cold calls and like trying to find businesses that would work with me. And I tried hiring designers to fulfill the projects. And it actually didn't start out uh, only in web design. That was the first, that was the only web design project that I did for a little bit. Cause I realized after trying the first one that I had some, some stuff to learn. Um, so I was just cold calling companies, doing flyers, logos, whatever I could get my hands on, just anything. And, um, you know, I can, I don't know how far into this you want me to go, but I, I could, uh, all in baby, I, all in. That was, uh, that was the name of the game for me for two years, right? Get as many clients as you can do anything that they want, hire anybody who can do any of it. Um, which was cool because, you know, by the time I was a sophomore in college, I had like a real business, you know, I had, I had people working for me. I was about to say employees, but they were contractors. Um, I had people working for me. Um, I had, you know, a good book of business. I was really developing my skill set uh, as a marketer more than a business owner, but as a marketer and as a salesperson. Um, so I was like running Facebook ads. I was running you know, Google ads. I was writing, running social media accounts. I was doing like, I was doing, I was back into website design a little bit. Um, I was running every possible avenue of marketing, email marketing, every, every single thing. So I very quickly became a jack of all trades, um, which serves me well to this day. But in a business perspective, that is a very challenging thing to be um, because you really can't systematize anything if you're trying to systematize everything because you have to prioritize. But there were, you know, like there were too many balls in the air for me to focus on catching any of them or, or building a more sustainable system. I just had to focus on whatever was falling, whichever ball was about to hit the ground. Right. Um, so that was, that was pretty much my life for a year and a half and it was in college. So I was also, you know, like, you know, doing the whole fraternity thing and like having fun. And that was awesome. I had a, had a fantastic college experience, but uh, I definitely worked too hard for, I worked too hard then for someone who was not a full-time student and I was a full-time student. Uh, so that was, quite a bit. Um, so there kind of came this breaking point, right? About two years into running the company where I was like, you know, this just isn't going to, I can't do this anymore. This is, this is going to kill me. <laughs> and, and I was like dropping the ball with clients and like, they were like, Max, what's going on? We're paying you all this money. Sometimes you do really well. Sometimes you suck. Like what's going on? So I read this book, um, that, of uh, a guy who lives in, in Tucson, his name is, uh, Bjorkvin Benedictson. He sat, took me out to lunch because I needed some mentorship. Uh, and he runs a cool, a bunch of cool companies. Um, he took me out to lunch and said, you know, uh, you know, there's this book I read that helped me through a similar situation in my life. It's called Built to Sell. I can't remember who the author is. I think it's like John Warlow or something like that. But it's an awesome book. It kind of like helped me define what my focus needed to be. And that was that I needed to have a focus. I needed to do one thing instead of everything. And I needed to have one way of doing it instead of winging it every time. And it sounds like to someone who's, you know, never been in that situation before, you're like, oh, dumb axe. Of course, what you need to do, right? Idiot. But, but, but like, think about it from this perspective. You already have monthly, monthly retainers with clients offering 30 different services. And you already have employees on payroll who are being, you know, paid to service those contracts. So I had to make the hard decision to fire all of my clients and all of my employees other than a, a handful of them. And cause I couldn't, 
like they were miserable. Like they were all working until like two in the morning every night, like trying to, cause you know, they were awesome. They were great at their jobs. And we, I wasn't, I had failed as a business owner. So uh, I had to kind of level the whole thing and start over. And uh, so I, I cut 80% of my clients um, and I was, you know, I was paying for my own life at that point. So I was, I was at risk there. Um, probably not ever at serious risk, but it was scary. Um, so, you know, from that point on, it's about four years ago, three maybe, um, I decided I was only going to be doing web design system and that's what I've done ever since. I love that. I love that. And I'm going to backtrack on some of the parts. I didn't want to jump in because I love the passion you had in telling your story and just the flow that was going. And one thing I definitely want to highlight was the ethical behavior you had at the very, very start for some would say it would be a snotty nosed teenage kid taking on a project that was too big for him and accepting the person's money, taking the 1,500. But I like the ethical behavior you had in giving it back when you realized you couldn't do the job because this is an industry where a lot of folks will pay for a service and that person disappears with their money and never comes back. And that leaves a sour taste in a lot of clients' mouths when dealing with the next person. And to me, it's always been a thing I never quite understood because it's that a lot of people are busy trying to cold call to get new clients. But if everybody in your field is leaving a bad image about the field, it makes it harder for the next person to get clients and nobody's getting fed. Super true. I still like so regularly will get someone who comes to me and they have a bad mood when they're talking to me because they've had bad experiences with other developers. And it's kind of like <laughs> someone was telling me this and it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way at first. And then I realized they were right, but it's kind of a rite of passage to in our industry to be that crappy developer once, you know, like once you realize how bad that feels to be that person that did the wrong thing, you, you never, you'll take my money, please. Like, I, I don't want it. It makes me, I don't want to be the bad guy. Uh, the bad guy here. So, you know, I still, if I feel like I haven't done a client justice in a project, uh, I will still offer them a full or partial discount, you know, according to the, to the magnitude. And thankfully that's very far and few between at this point in my career, but you know, it does happen in every business I'd say. It's, it should like, it's like, you know, I'm sure if I'm hopefully if a surgeon messes up his job, you're giving some of their money back, which I, for some reason I doubt, but it says a lot about the character of the person that you are in that like, look, yes, I would like this money, but if I'm not doing the job, I promise I deliver, I'm giving your money back. And that's a big, big, that says a lot about who you are as a person, which I'm loving to hear. And the other part I loved also was that it was one point you mentioned, it was just a numbers game. You're just trying to get as many clients, as many people coming in. And I love that you came to the realization that you were dropping the ball too many times and like something has to change. And then you went out to seek help from someone who's in a position that it's a few steps further than you are that could give you that insight. Because most folks have this ego where it's like, it's, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. Like, no, like, look, you haven't been figured out because you're fucking up. Just get help. Yeah. That's so tough. Like it is. Cause you, the worst is like, you get in this mentality where you feel like, you know what you need to do, but you're not doing it. And even that, like, that's something that me personally, that'll stop me from asking out for help sometimes. Cause I, I do like, I often feel like I know what the next step is, but I'm just not doing it. Um, going out to someone and asking for advice, even if you think you know what they're going to say, always the right move. If they're the, if they're the right person, right? You don't want to be asking someone who hasn't succeeded at what you've done, what you're trying to do. But this guy I knew was like, you know, he had had a, uh, not a same business as mine, but a tangentially related one. And yet, you know, he had created a very cool lifestyle for himself. And, um, you know, we were, I was able to learn from him in that way. Yeah. And it's, I like that you mentioned that being able to ask. It's one of the things I often share with students is 
like teachers ask you, they might have any questions. And my thing is always, even if you already know the answer to the question you have, still ask, because you'll be surprised that one, either the, the answer may give you is completely different or a way of thinking you haven't thought of, or two, just in you asking could then trigger someone else to ask another question to piggyback off the yours that you would have never thought of. So, because the end of the day, teachers need to get that feedback and that, get that back and forth. And if, especially being an entrepreneur by yourself, you need to then ask for help. And it's not so much to get, you may, it may not be to get the answer to the question that you're particularly asking, but the person you're asking can see the next three steps that you're not able to see because you're blinded by the question you're asking. And I love that you said that. I think that is such an important principle when you're asking for help is it's not a, like a question and answer section on a website, right? It's not like, here's a question, here's an answer. It's let's have a discussion about this. You open this question, this floor up with a problem you're having, they'll respond. And then you guys will dig into it. That's why people go. That's why some people go to therapy, right? You bounce ideas off of each other and talking through things helps you move things to the next level. That's also why I like when I'm stuck with like a, a business problem, like I will start just like stream of conscious writing about it and see where I end up because you can't like, I mean, some people, I think like Elon Musk can, but like, you can't really like think through a whole problem to completion. It's not until you talk about it or write about it or something that the idea develops into a solution. Exactly. And it's the sort of thing I tell folks also, like I know for myself, many times I'll talk with someone and just vocalize what's in my head. And I haven't figured it out in my head, but it's in through vocalizing and sharing it that I then start figuring out what exactly I'm thinking and what I want to say. But without having put it in a universe, for lack of a better terms, you'll never be able to see, get a clearer picture on things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing I loved also was that, and it's this is something that people seem to not like, when you mentioned about being a jack of all trades, you're doing email marketing, Facebook ads, Google ads, web design, everything. And I give this, I give this, I spoke about this to a friend in a past podcast. And sort of thing people always talk about is jack of all trades, master of none, but it's like, it's better off to be a jet. Like there's a book called range by David Epstein. I pulled it up here while you were talking. It's why generalists triumph in a specialized world. And it's sort of thing where like, you need to be a jack of all trades, especially at the start to build a solid enough base to where when you do just specialize in that one thing, you're then able to refer out to competent enough people in the things that you're no longer specialized in. And you're not going into getting someone to hire to do that job being clueless, you know what you're talking about and you can then better off gauge and filter who knows their stuff and who's selling you a bunch of crap. I, I really appreciate that you said that. The, the, the finding that I've had is I always want to be a jack of all trades. I don't actually want to like be, a, I, I've become a bit of a specialist in a few things, but I don't want to necessarily be a specialist. I want my company to be a specialist. I want me as the CEO be like, I need to know how to market my company. I need to know how to close deals. And I don't need to know how to you know, build processes. And I need to know more about my product than anyone else, which is web design. Um, so being a jack of all trades has served me tremendously well, uh, specifically because in an industry like mine, you, you kind of fulfill like a slight consultant role um, when you're like in the sales process, like understanding every kind of business I still do my own sales, which is maybe a weakness of my company, but I still do my own sales. So knowing like me understanding how most businesses operate, at least on a high level is really helpful to me in the sales process. Cause I can understand the role that my product plays in their business. Yes. And I love that. Cause it's you being broad enough. It's when you do meet a client that you don't know full hundred percent, everything about their business, but you know, just enough, you knowing just enough, a bit about it allows you to know where you need to be and find more information about instead of scanning everything. And I equate that to being a student in school, you have a course and exam coming up, 
the famous question is, teacher, is this going to be on the test or what should I study? Instead of you trying to read the entire book, show the study, like, look, look at chapter nine. And you having scanned through the book, read the table of contents, you know where to go with what, you're, what you need for that particular client instead of trying to scramble around and run around and waste your time and energy. And I actually found the quote. So it's a jack of all trades is the master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Whew, let me bring that back and rewind that. A jack, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. And in 2021, that could not be more truer. And in the digital world, definitely the truest thing possible. Again, that's not to say that someone should not be a specialist. Like we need specialists. Even in the digital world, we need someone who's phenomenal at say coding for a web design with CSS or knows a few more languages. So when these particular hard cases come, you pay that person crazy fees because they're good at that one thing, but they get that job done in 30 minutes instead of you scratching your head, wasting two weeks or 10 hours of your time. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's easier if you start out as a jack of all trades because you don't know what you want to specialize in until you've had a taste of everything too. Like I had done every marketing service, I think maybe, I don't think I'd done influencer marketing. I think that's the one that I never touched, but I think I'd done every, <laughs> I think I had done every kind of marketing before I decided like, okay, the one for me is web design. It's a perfect blend of creative and nerdy and marketing. Like it's, it's exactly what I need. Win-win. So other than figuring out which way you want to go by, like which one you want to specialize, whether it's web design or email marketing, what would you say were some of, some of, or the biggest struggle you came across in building your agency? Oh man, I've had so many huge struggles. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll rephrase the question. Which one had the biggest impact on where you are now? Like that caused a full like switch or change. Okay. Uh, so my favorite right now is hiring and training. So I used to think, and maybe a lot of people still do this and people who are smarter than me have told me that this is the wrong way, but I've tried them both. A lot of people tell me that you need to hire someone who has the expertise to tell you how to do you know, what they do. And maybe for like a consultant, that's a good idea. But I found if I'm hiring a full-time employee, I need to hire someone who is coachable that I can train to do things the way that I want them done. Um, and you know, they do give me input for improvement, but only once they've gotten to a point where you know, they have like a, a baseline understanding of the reasons behind the way that it is the way it, that it is now. What I used to do, like, for example, I remember one that I struggled with so much was like hiring a project manager. I used to hire project managers who had tons of project management experience and tons of web design experience to come in and tell me how to manage my projects. But my, my projects are nothing like every other web design agency's projects. Our process has evolved over years and years and it was too loosely defined. So I wasn't ready to hire for that role yet. I needed to hire someone who could grow into that role over time. And as my company grew into a more manageable one, that person I found was that route did a much more long lasting fix for me than uh, you know just hiring someone who on paper had exactly what I needed. Uh, so that's one, let's think here. Just, uh, I will jump in on this one before we get to the second one, just so like the flow can maintain, is well, like what you said at, towards the end there is that you hired someone who was good for the task that you need now and not someone who's good for the task that you're gonna need in the future. And you talking about it's better, you would prefer hiring someone you could teach from the ground up who is coachable. 
I believe that is definitely the right way for a particular tasks. Like if you want someone who's already coachable, who's already great at the task, then you're just hiring a specialist for a particular task in and out. And what I can say is coming from the fitness world, there was a coach called Mike Boyle who mentioned something of when he hires his coaches for his training facility, he goes, I'd rather hire someone who's a good person and nice and I train, teach them everything than hire someone who's good at what they do and is an asshole because I can't teach nice, but I could teach you to be a good coach. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, there are technical aspects to that too. Um, like personality is a really tough thing to train, to change in people, but also design. Like some people are better designers than others. And I believe you can change, but it's really tough to teach someone design, but it's into in 2021, it's much easier to teach a designer development than to teach a developer design or even more so it's much harder to have a designer critique a developer's work until it gets to the point where the designer's happy with the developer's standards. It's, it's just infinitely easier for me to train a designer on how to build using WordPress or something and, you know, just make sure it meets the quality standards of a finished development product. That's, that's the most concrete example I can give. Like there are certain things that are just much easier. You could teach something technical to your creative, but you have a hard time teaching creative to someone who's very technical. Well said. And that's what it all comes down to also is hiring somebody who's green. You're not busy spending weeks or months having to unlearn and unteach what they already learned for them to learn your way of doing things, which in the long run saves you a whole lot more time. Like, yeah, it may be a bit more expensive because they may be messing up more often, but in the big scheme of things, you're not busy butting heads trying to like, look, dude, I hired you to do those things my way, just do it my way. It's, it's tough because like you want there to be a balance, right? You don't want it to be a dictatorship, but there needs to be a process. And until you have a proven process, uh, everything is being freestyled and you can't run a business that way because then every decision has to go through you or someone who's been with the company for like five years, right? You need there to be some kind of step and repeat process that works every time. Now there can be critiques on that process and it can be improved. My people absolutely help me help move that process in the right direction as much as I do. Um, but it takes, it takes there to be something to change before you can just bring someone in and say, Hey, structure this for me, or at least I haven't had any luck with that. And what I love a lot is that you mentioned how your team is able to come in and help fix and change that structure. And what I'm hearing from that is you've created an environment where they're free to give their feedback. And the most important thing is that you need that for success is because you're not in the trenches doing these particular tasks. And they're spending their days in the trenches doing that task. And they're going to be able to see the bottlenecks way before they cause a big problem that would further down the line. So you creating that platform to allow them to be open to share that is the greatest thing ever in the world. And they're going to feel some sort of attachment and some sort of ownership to the business and to the process. Like I help change that process to make it better than what it is, which makes one makes their job easier because you're not busy trying to like do something going around the bush. And two, they get to know that I could come to you with anything that you'll take it into consideration. Yeah. And absolutely. It like allows them to share in the pride of work that I feel that we put out. Like they also feel pride in the effectiveness of the business. Um, it's so cool. And just to reiterate something you said, like you like they're in the trenches, they know things I don't. Absolutely. Like today we were on a coaching call with, um, with like this guy who's helping us, you know, optimize our processes. And our, it was me and, and my creative director, Emily, and he asked us a question like, okay, so what's like the most you know, time-consuming part of the process? It was something like that. And I had one answer and she had another and she was right. I was wrong. <laughs> I didn't know that basic of a question because I don't do that part of the process, right? So it was, it was super interesting. And that's my failure of me to collect the right numbers in my business, right? But 
we got to prioritize things. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a learning process, right? You're going through the motion. I believe moments like that show a sense of transparency. And I know we live in a world where everybody wants to come out as perfect, do the right thing all the time, but like, shit, dude, like we're 2021. Everybody knows we're not perfect. If anybody's building a business, we all know everybody makes mistakes. And as like one business owner to the next, if you made a little mistake, like, okay, at least dude's being honest. His person feels comfortable enough to open up and say the mistake that it was. He's seen it and he said, like, that says a lot about your character instead of like, don't talk over me. It's my show. Hush up. Like, you don't want to have that sort of like mentioned dictatorship where people are fearing you to open up. And I believe like having a nurturing environment like you like you seem to have created creates much more growth and much more autonomy within your, your teammates. Well, you'll have to ask them about that. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think so. We'll see. <laughs> Awesome. So other than having gone through that struggle and just figuring out systems, what is the, what, what part of the, what part of the project do you love the most? Like what's the part that has you wake up in the morning with a smile on your face and ready to go at it again? Cause after a while, like I know when you build a process, things can become very repetitive in and out. And I know in web design, things are repetitive, but it's very different because each client is different. So there's other than that, what is that fire that keeps burning that passion inside you to keep doing this? I literally love every part of what I do. I love creative design. I love tech, like making stuff work and like fixing problems, like doing hard problem solving is like my favorite thing. And the hardest problems and the most impactful ones are process oriented. Um, so things like optimization, optimizing things, what's the best way for us to do this? Like those are so fun for me. Um, I love talking to my team. Like when we are brainstorming stuff or like trying to figure out what we're going to do for a client. I love that. I love having us all collaborate. Um, I like training people. I like, um, actually in terms of like the actual web design process, my favorite part is like our kickoff call that we do at the beginning where we go through every page on the website and describe exactly what's going to be on it. It's like the highest, most strategic level thinking that you can do on a project like this. And Am I, I really sharing more about know, that? Yeah, absolutely. So what we do is we create a, uh, the technical term is like a site map, um, where it's kind of like a tree of all of the pages that are going to be on it. And what that allows me to do is get super deep with them. Like, it sounds like it's just like a, you know, step one of making a website, but it's not, it's like, what role does this pay this, does this uh, deliverable play in the, in your business? How does this going to make more money for you? So we get to go through like their target audience and how they're going to interact with this. And like, when are you going to be sending people links to this in your sales cycle? And like, you know, not every page on a website is used when someone goes and visits it for the first time. Some of them are like, you know, you found and you just met someone on the street and you want to send them some information. So you have to send on that page. Like we need to have all those conversations. Like what, how can we insert your website into useful places in your sales cycle? That's, that's my favorite kind of conversation. Cause that's what I do for my business. And I, it's, it's what really helped me grow. And I'm loving this cause you're saying that. And it's like, so I, I do SEO and that's mainly like the main specialty for the digital marketing. And at a mentor, he goes, you know, Chris, like we're doing SEO, but really what you're doing is you're helping somebody build their business. Like it's more than just SEO. And what you're saying is more than just web design because it's people think web design just make a page look nice with cool graphics and stuff popping up. But no, like each page has to have a purpose. And like, what is the purpose of this page? What is the action you want someone to take? And like, what is the avatar of who you're talking about? Is what, you're, what, you're, what it all comes down to really is helping that business owner get clarity on who they want to target. How are they going to target them? And once they target them, what are they going to offer that person to want to come back again and see them again? And it's oftentimes where people are running businesses, they have a million and one things in their head. They don't have time to think about 
all these things related to website. They may have thought about this when they first created their business plan years ago. Mm-hmm. When it, and most of us think aside, I'll pay some guy three, five, seven, ten Gs. He'll build the page. He'll look nice, and everything's going to come to like no. But you got to set things up to work. We bring somebody on a journey on your website. The same way you have them come in, you may give them a free sample to taste the ice cream. Then they come back and they buy another pint of ice cream. And same thing I'll do online. Give them something free in exchange for them giving you your time and just build that relationship. And it really is just helping businesses build relationships through an online venue. And I find, I love that you mentioned that because it's, yeah, you're a web design agency, but that's how you separate yourself from everybody else. Because most people will just stop at there and make web designs and that's it. Don't talk to me about anything else. That is all I do. And that's a very much a specialist mindset. And in hearing you explain everything, having been through being a jack of all trades, you understand like, holy crap, if I'm making a site, everything else needs to work in place for this one site to work. Because like, I promise person this site, you're gonna get more traffic, you'll get more viewers, that should potentially help increase your revenue. But if there's any bottleneck, if there's a hole, a broken chain in any, any if there's a broken link in any of these chains, your site's not gonna give the effect and they're gonna blame you. Not the fact that they didn't have a client avatar, not the fact they didn't have the proper copywriting, not the fact the quality of images were trash. They're gonna blame you because you're the one that built their site was supposed to make, was supposed to make everything work. You're absolutely right. And that, that's, you know, the only deliverable is a website, but the only problem that we solve is not having a website. You're absolutely right. And the, you know, in order to mitigate kind of what you talked about there, where the client comes back to you upset because the reason that their thing, their website failed is because they didn't have the rest of their marketing funnel down was I, the first thing I ask a client is, so where's your traffic going to come from? <laughs> Cause if they don't know that answer, then we're probably not going to get very far in this process. <laughs> You know, it's like, they're like, what, you're not going to get the traffic. I'm like, no, it's not how it works. You have to have like ads or you have to have, you know, people in the field or there has to be some sit, like process in place, or you have to have an SEO strategy or, or something, right? A website isn't a solution on its own. It's tools that solve other problems. Yeah. That'd be like blaming the car, like getting a contractor. You built your house. Cool. So how am I making money? Like, but dude, I just build you the house. It's your job to get people to your business. That's all I do is I build the bills. That's it. I put the walls up, put the paint in, made it look nice. It's your mm-hmm. job to get traffic. And it's the same thing for web design, but people don't see that. And it, I, I'm going to say it comes from a lack. I'm going to say it comes from ignorance, but not ignorance from not wanting to know. It's ignorance of just not knowing how things work when it comes to online. Because the online space is new. A lot of business owners are still of an older generation, of the print generation with ads and radio. And not understanding how the internet works. Now there's so many pieces that have to come together for one thing to work. Like it's a team effort. No one person can do everything build the site, build their articles, take the photos, um, run ads to them, build their social media account, get their social media on a three, four, five times a week. That can't be one person. That takes a team to do that. Yeah. That's actually a whole business. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it is. And it's like, you know, go back to your metaphor, like, you know, we're going to set it up and make it look nice for, for the people that, you know, you plan on bringing here, but you still have to bring them here. They're that's as far as we can take it, really. It's like, you know, Bali's got a great beach, but if they're not marketing about their beach, no one knows about it. Well said. Well said. <laughs> awesome. So I'm, I'm very much a future thinker. I'm always thinking about what's coming up in the next two, three, four, five, ten 10 years. And I'm curious to know, how do you view the future of your agency? Where do you plan on bringing this? So my mentality is slightly different. I don't do kind of like, you know, here's what I want, where I want to be in a year, two, three, four. Um, I used to do that, but I found that it's less productive than making gradual improvements every day. So what we have is like a, a board, like in, we use Monday, but it's like a Trello board kind of with, with like improvements that need to be made. And I just try and make one or work on a big, big one every day. So my, I, I got this from a book um, 
uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I found that this is an awesome, awesome tip. I've been doing it for about six months now, I think. Um, just do one thing every day that moves you in the right direction and it compounds. It's absolutely made such a huge difference. Like actually this morning, I was talking to that same creative director and she was, she was telling me like, wow, like, you know, in the last six months, this business has gone from, you know, point A to point B. And it's a major difference. Like it is absolutely a different company than it was six months ago in so many ways. Um, and it's just because we've been making like 1% improvements here and there every day. And as a CEO, specifically in this industry, it's so easy to get trapped in working in your business instead of on your business. I'm, I'm going to ask you to, hold on. I'm going to ask you to repeat that one. That's a gem right there. Jeez. <laughs> say that one more time and say like you got some, you got some fire in your chest. Specifically in like marketing and advertising, when you're working with clients, it's such a trap to get stuck working inside your business than out than on your business. So what that means for me is instead of spending all of my time on client projects, and I do spend some time on client projects for sure, a lot of time, the most impactful use of my time for my business, for myself, for my team, for my clients is working on the business. That's making improvements to processes, hiring, you know, marketing, sales, everything, because it all increases the client experience. And that's what everything comes from. Yep. And I love that you said that it's, taking yourself out from working in the business to work on the business. And what I'm hearing there is that you took time to reflect and say, all right, where is my time going to be most impactful? Because when it comes to your time, we all have the same 24 hours. And if you have a team going through, you have to figure out a way like, okay, how can I use my time to make their process that they're going through with the least amount of friction? Because the more friction there is, the more people with more questions your team's going to have too, which slows down the entire process. But the more you can eliminate some of this friction for them and you give them, you make them a bit more autonomous, you trust in them, you built them the way they are. But with, with everything as is, as you want it, the least friction you have, the smoother things you go through, the happier your team is, the happier your clients are, the happier you are. And it's a nice little circle. And it takes someone willing enough to like, you know what, it may hurt me in the long run, to, in the short run to pull myself away from working in it now. But what I'm going to be doing by working on it will make working in it a whole lot smoother. That's so true. And clients recognize it and they appreciate it. Specifically when you're in, like I mentioned, kind of a consultative role for businesses, like they don't want to get business advice or input from someone whose business sucks. You know, no one wants that. You, would you rather hire someone who's got it together and has like successfully built a marketing funnel specifically for a marketing company? Like, you know, it shows in your sales process, whether or not you've done this before. And if you're trying to sell something that's a part of the sales process, that's a huge thing. I like that point. And I remember I was listening to a podcast and someone mentioned there's a lot of business coaches out there, a lot of these life coaches. And it's like, you have a business coach. Your first question should be, can I see your numbers? Like, let me see your books. Let me see your, like, are you talking the talk? Or are you just telling me a bunch of bull crap that's hypothetical? And it's like, it's great because some of these business coaches will charge you 10, 20, 30K for their time. But it's like, but do you even have a successful business? Or is your business just coaching people about business, but you don't like, you never actually created a business. And it's the sort of thing where I realized like, you know, you do that. And it's like, you cut to the people that are selling snake oil that are selling lies and get straight to those that are actually busy doing things. And oftentimes those that are successful are busy being successful and don't have time to teach them someone else. So I'm always a little skeptical about those who are busy teaching others. But have you done it? Are you doing it? Like there's one gentleman who's a professor at Stanford and he's a very successful businessman. What he does, he's like, look, I'm going to go straight to the source. He teaches a course at Stanford and the sole purpose of that course, students take that course to pitch them ideas. And if he likes it, he'll fund you, work a partnership and go build that business with you. That is sick. 
It's that's genius. Yeah. Like where else is he going to find people that are the most creative that have all the time in the world? Cause like they came from being a kid. They're not really paying many bills, much responsibility. They're not thinking about their wife and life and how they're going to pay their mortgage. They're literally just coming from having all the free time in the world to think. Yeah, totally. And they're going to have phenomenal ideas and they're going to be living in the world that's coming up. So let, let them be the person that creates the next world that's coming up. Let them create the businesses and you just have the money and the resources come together. It's a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. Uh, to comment on something else you said, this is another lesson I've learned. Um, when you were talking about, you know, teaching your business coach about their numbers, I found it's incredibly hard if you're in a business to business industry, like mine is and yours, uh, to do service for a client that you've done for yourself. Uh, and I, I think in things like, you know, becoming a successful social, getting a social media following for your social media business, like, you know, possible, but, but oh, dude, my, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, in my industry specifically, it's like, you know, why would I build features on a website that I've never built myself? Because you don't know what it's like to be the stakeholder and you can't empathize with them at the level that's required to do the level of job that they're expecting. So if, if I want to, you know, that's that, about six months ago, I decided like, okay, actually we're going to stop taking e-commerce projects because I was looking at like, okay, where are we, where are we missing the mark? We're missing the mark on, on e-commerce builds. So I'm like, okay, so let's, let's take, let's take a step back here. What, what is, what does this not have in common with our other builds? Oh, I've never run an e-commerce business. That's what the problem is. So, you know, last week we added e-commerce onto our store and now I like totally have a different perspective on this. It's like, oh, the, every little detail has to be perfect. Of course, like everything else, like everything matters because it's my business. Like it, that level of empathy that you, sh that you have to start out with is impossible to completely resonate with unless you've actually had that kind of company. Like until your revenue numbers are attached to the success of this product or service, you'll never, you'll never understand it the way that, that the, your customer does. Yeah. And I love, I love that because it's sort of thing. And it's one thing why else I enjoy about the digital world is that you could build your own experience from scratch to better understand someone else's situation that's coming your way. All the numbers may be scaled differently. The same system, the same process, the same routine, the same rollout has to be done. And just when it comes to e-commerce, I rolled my head. I'm like, oh, hell no. Because there's so many variables. And the more products they have, the more complicated the site becomes. But it's until you could do it for yourself, you don't want to start practicing on someone else's dollar. Like, let me try it out. No, no, no. Do it yourself. See how it works. See where you would make a mistake. So when you do come to a trouble, to a situation, you know to hire out at that point and save yourself time instead of prolonging that project for six weeks and the client never gets their deliverable, can never get their deliverable. Absolutely. And, you know, my advice to people, because not all industries have a natural application of, of this principle. Uh, mine, mine happened to, my store was a pretty linear jump from the gaps that my business had. So it made sense. But the, you know, say you're doing it for, you know, social media marketing. You, know, you don't have to own the business that you're doing it for. You can have like a percentage profit split, you know, anything where your results are representative of your income. That's, that's where the, that's where the value is added in terms of the mindset. I like that. And, and I'm not sure if you realize, but your story of starting web design to where you are now literally just came full circle. You started with the e-commerce business, failed, butchered, gave the guys money back. 
And now you're helping e-commerce making money. <laughs> you haven't killed or butchered. I'm loving that circle. Luckily, we haven't butchered one that badly ever since, but <laughs> it's definitely something that we've been improving on. Good. You know, when you fall flat on your face at the ground, you can't get any lower than that. The only way to move is to go up. <laughs> well, so said, curious, well said, man. So I'm curious to know, to know more about you and yourself so the listeners can get an idea of who Max Sure is. When you're not working on your projects, what do you enjoy doing for fun? And don't say building your own website. That's not that we got to get it out of this world. <laughs> I was not going to say that, but that's a genuinely true answer. Um, so I do a bunch of stuff. So I run a podcast, like I said, uh, that's one of my main sources of joy in this world is just talking to people about what they're passionate about and how they are following their dreams and all that stuff. Man, it's so cool. I had a, a hypnotist on the other day and we were chatting about how he runs that kind of business. That was so cool. I, I nice. There's nothing like seeing the spark in someone's eye when they're talking about, you know, how they're living their life and stuff. Yes. Um, that was awesome. And then uh, I also am a bit of a digital nomad. I think it's something that we have in common a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Freedom so to I've move. Been, I'm in Nashville right now, and I'm moving on Friday, well, Monday, to uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. So that'll be cool. Excited for that. For a, I'll be living there for a month. You can have better Wi-Fi connection than you do now. <laughs> are we struggling right now we're doing there's, there's some chops i'm gonna have to edit and adjust but we'll be okay <laughs> All right. i hope so i hope so round two will go further <laughs> maybe we'll wait until i'm back in the states <laughs> we'll, we'll play by ear all right all right but yeah i also am a guitarist so that's fun hobbyist for now uh and uh i think that pretty much covers it man that's those are my hobbies travel and music dope podcasting dope. Dope. I like that. So you got the creative side, you got the connecting with other side and you got the exploration side all covered right there. Yeah. Yes, sir. I didn't even think about it like that, but I think you're right. <laughs> we got to have a balance of things. Something that feeds something different is the big key. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in an effort to learn more again, more about you, how, if, if you could create your perfect day, how would that day play out? Mm. So is this like a day off or is this like, like, like a day where I'm doing my thing. Anything goes. All right. I'm going to do a day where I'm doing my thing. Cause I actually, I love days off too, but I, I get a lot out of doing what I do. So in the mornings I like to do uh, like work without meetings. So ideally I'm like, that's what I'd like to do the work in on my business, not in my business. So, you know, recently it was adding the shop to my site or improving some processes or something like that. I love that. It makes me feel like whatever happens for the rest of the day is going to be productive. Mm, then, you know, around midday, I'm in a better mood. My coffee's kicking in. I can start taking meetings and uh, talking to, to my team mainly. That's I like the majority of my meetings to be with the team members, um, but clients are cool too. I'm also, also happy to take those. Um, and then kind of later in the day around five or six ish. I like to go to the gym, um, go out and see some of the city wherever I'm living. Um, when I'm living in Mexico, I'll probably be doing that earlier in the day so I can get some beach time, but here in Nashville, it's all about the nightlife. So it's, you know, I'm totally cool. Like going out when everyone's playing live music and stuff. Um, it really does vary a lot by where I'm living. Like if it's somewhere where you can like work easily outdoors, like I prefer that in a heartbeat. Um, that's the benefit of being a digital nomad is you could change that environment and get different experiences and not be stuck to the same thing over and over again. It's a blessing and a curse, right? Like you, it's harder to establish routine, but it's cool to not have to establish a routine. You just got to be really disciplined with like the habits that you want to have. 
Yeah, I think the two characteristics that'll be super important for someone doing digital nomad is be one you mentioned structured disciplines and also being easily adaptable. Mm. Yeah, it's true because you, you have to have like criteria for your discipline structure, but it can't be like, it has to happen at 6am every day. <laughs> you may be living in an apartment or an Airbnb or something where you can do that at 6am that day for whatever reason, like the gym's closed or, or whatever it is. You're not running that blender at seven in the morning, making that shake with the ice, breaking up the baby above you and the baby next to you. It ain't happening. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, no baby over here, but. <laughs> awesome. Yes, sir. So I'm liking that. Because I, I, most, I like the perfect day question because you get a variety of answers. You get some people say, I'm going to go to this place, travel, do this. And I want to like fly to there and do this. But I like how yours is a very simple, I'm going to use the term realistic, not to say the other's ideas of days aren't realistic about like flying to Bali, that that is for sure realistic, but is that yours is easily repeatable mm. in that you could do that on Monday, you could do it on Wednesday, you could do it on a Saturday. It's easily repeatable in the sense of if that's your perfect name, that's what charges you up and makes you feel good. It's easier for me, for you to be in a good place. Like oh, I had a good day yesterday. Nice. I'm feeling great. A criteria for that to work is like, you have to like what you do for a living. You know, I, like I mentioned, I hope this has been clear. I really love what I do, like working with my team and all optimizing processes like I must sound like the biggest nerd in the world but it's awesome um and I've got like all these projects that I'm actually passionate about and the companies that we help I support what most of them do you know like it's it's cool I I love business it's super fun for me I feel you man I feel you. like it's working on next gen Fridays it's been an accumulation of things over the past years of like working on stuff and working on skills building things thinking of ideas and once I got to this, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. It's like, all right, let's take this bad boy to the moon and back. You know, at no point is saying we got to come back and then spread that information, that wealth to everybody else. But it's when you enjoy that, like it's, you're just excited to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when you start moving fast. Like once you, once you build momentum, it's like, you never want to stop because you don't want to lose the momentum. And it's, it's cool. It can be, it can, you could definitely still get burnt out if you like what you do, but it's a lot harder. Yeah. And it's, also having that self-awareness to know like, all right, I'm starting to get slowed down. Let me take a little moment off, like a little afternoon off, just kind of recharge. And if you need a day or a week and I'll take you because like that day off is a whole lot better than burning out for like weeks or months on end. Oh, I always take weeks off. Absolutely. I just work like way too many hours per week. That's, that's actually something I need to work on, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So now we're going to go to a very fun round. I call it lightning round. So lightning round is real simple. I'm going to ask you questions of the this or that style. Don't think too much. Just say what comes to mind as your answer. All right. So start things off books or audiobooks. Audiobooks. I, I would prefer to read books, but audiobooks are more practical for my life. Are you going to X speed? Uh, no. Okay. We got to talk after. <laughs> <laughs> Dine out. I'll start, I'll start the guess. So think about two X speed is you save time and, but not just save time. And I realized this recently is that, People go to XP, it's unlistenable. It's not that it's unlistenable. One, it forces you to focus more because now I'm really dialed in on what he's saying to catch on everything that's coming out. Mm. And I recommend folks start at 1.25, build your way up. And depending on what you're listening to, sometimes you're at 2XP, sometimes you're at 1.75, but it's, yes, it goes by quick, but it forces you to be more present at that point in time. Granted, this may not work for everybody, but I know when I'm listening to podcasts at 2XP, I'm focused. Like this is what I'm talking, listening to. There's nothing else that matters right now. So the reason I like audiobook, I totally feel what you're saying there. The reason I like audiobooks 
for my life is because I'm always driving between cities. So if I focus too hard, I'll crash. <laughs> well, there's, there, there's that balance. Like doing <laughs> tasks that are repetitive, like dishes and driving, they're very like bottom up type activities. There's not much brain effort. It's just really more reactive. It's easy to get that top down information from an audiobook or a podcast coming in while you're doing two different things. If you're doing brain surgeon, maybe not a podcast. You want to have some bumping <laughs> music to get you in a flow. <laughs> I like the idea of thinking about my brain surgeon, like rocking out. He's <laughs> <laughs> busy learning about the latest stock trades. Shit. <laughs> All right. Back, back on track. Back on track. I love going off course here. Um, dine out or dine in? Dine out. Would you rather have perfect teeth or perfect hair? Perfect hair. All right. So you ain't smiling no more. <laughs> I was thinking about like, <laughs> I was thinking about like my dad's bald. And my teeth are going to be fine as long as I maintain them forever. <laughs> so, you know. Perfect hair. Yeah. Yep. Credit card or cash? Cash. Being rich or famous? Famous. Good choice. Good choice. What's more intelligent than a, what's more important than a partner? Intelligence or being funny? Intelligence. And so a man walks up to you and says he's going to transform you into any animal of your choice. And there's nothing you could do about it. You gotta warn Which me animal like do this. you choose? <laughs> All these other ones are like easier for me. Like this is like, this says something about me, you know? Um, <laughs> if I could be one animal, I'd go lion. Nothing's eating me. I dig that. I dig that. Yep. Awesome. So now I'm going to end the podcast with the one question I love asking all my guests is if you could have a dinner guest over for the night, dead or alive, who would it be and why? I feel like my gut's telling me Russ because I feel like he'd spend the whole dinner just enlightening me, but I also feel like he'd eat really slow. So, and I'm a fast eater. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Richard Feynman. Richard Feynman. Who's Richard, who's Richard Feynman? He's a, he's no longer with us, but he is a physicist. Um, he's something else, man. His storytelling is it, the way he explains things. It's beautiful. It's absolutely, he, he can explain the most complicated concepts to anybody with any level of background. And it's just, I, I'm like a nerd for like science content online. I just, I don't, I can't do any science, right. I have no mathematical ability or I keep, I have no training, but I love just listening to people explain scientific concepts to me. And this guy does it better than anyone I've ever seen. Like Neil deGrasse Tyson type. Ah, yes, 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 yes. So if that's the case, I do have a podcast for you. It's not a podcast. It's just, they have their own app. It's called, you ever heard of Curiosity Stream? No, what's that? Woo, baby. All right. So Curiosity Stream and Nebula, they created a Netflix-like platform for learning about science and random things like that. It's sweet. any and everything, super affordable. There's no affiliate link here. It hit my mind as you were talking about, you've got to check out Curiosity Stream. It's like, lose your Netflix subscription and start with curiosity stream whole lot more affordable and you're going to walk in there feeling a whole lot smarter but also just learning about random things that either you haven't thought about or it's like oh, i was wondering about this and like oh shit they got it there and dive in so you can right check on. out their youtube too to get a little taste but just dive right in it's super super dope i think i'll take your word for it that sounds like right up my alley yeah like the last one i was listening to was about vertical farming which was super that super interesting so cool i would love to learn more about that okay yeah. you sold me <laughs> yeah Awesome. Max, I want to say thank you for spending some time and sharing time with me. This has been a blast having you on another episode of Next Gen Fridays. Yeah, it's been fun, man. And to the rest of people listening, you guys have an awesome rest of the day. Peace out, family. Thank you. Thank you.
Oh yeah. Before I forget, if you enjoy this, take the time to send a message to a friend and let them know that you appreciate them and that you're thankful and grateful for having them in your life. Because for all you know, that little message you send them may make a huge difference in their day. So yeah, take that small step. Peace out.